No cussing. Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to this week's edition of the Digital Shop Talk Radio. It's episode 24, believe it or not. Uh, time flies when you're young and handsome. Um, and uh, what's the date? Today's July 17th, 2019. And um, got a great show lined up. My name is Tom Dorsey. Uh, I'll be asking some uh, awesome shop owners some questions, help you guys out. And what we're talking about today is how do you manage uh, multi-location operation? What what uh, some things that you need to consider when you're looking to expand your business if you are? How do you manage it if you already find yourself in that situation? And how, most importantly, of course, is how do you use auto vitals and the tools that we provide to help you get a leg up on managing that uh you know, herding all them cats. And so I got two great multi-location owners with us today. Uh, and and uh, I've got Greg Hulse. He's a Meineke owner up in Washington State, four locations uh, with his uh, uh, Brian, you uh, service manager over there? I am. I am. Brian is service manager. Say hi, guys. Thanks for coming on the show. Hello. And I got John Herring uh, joining us again from Stamps Automotive. You guys uh, all recognize John. Uh, he's down there in uh, in Arizona four locations. Johnny, really appreciate you coming back, buddy. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, man. Thank you. Even, even though, uh, what'd you say it was? 115 down yeah, in Arizona? It was 115 yesterday. It's the hottest day of the year so far. 115. So, you know, John's cranking out those AC services. Uh, and so we really appreciate him being able to take the time to come and join us for a half hour and uh, talk about multis. So, so let me ask you the first, the big, most glaring question. What made you decide to get multiple locations? Greg, I'll start with you. Well, we went from one shop, right? We went from two shops to, uh, we actually went from two to 17. We had an opportunity to buy um, a small chain that was up here. Actually, it was a large chain. And then uh, after about two years with that, it was too much for us. So we went back down to four. <laughs> yeah. So that's, you know, that's it in a nutshell, right? Is it's, uh, it's a lot to bite off. What were the biggest challenges you ran across as you were doing that consolidation? Uh, the biggest challenges were infrastructure. Um, you know, we grew obviously way too fast um, from, well, we went from three to 16. And uh, I think it's better to take on, you know, one or two at a time and kind of work your way up. Um, you know, I was training another, you know, district manager at the same time and it was brand new and it was just uh, a lot of challenges. So, but now that we have four, it's like uh, four to, I think four to, you know, eight is a perfect number. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It, when I was in the trucking business, we say the same thing. You had one truck or 10 trucks. Everything <laughs> in the middle wasn't making any money. Right. Um, it was just a hassle and the government takes it all anyway. Right. Um, but so, so, so in that, you know, in that learning uh, journey that you did, I mean, you you guys kind of come in with the Meineke process, right? And so, I mean, what, what did you see? What year was this in when you, when you took on those 17 locations? It was in 2013. Oh, so it was recent. Yeah. And so what types of technology, I know that Meineke provides you guys a lot of things, but I mean, would you say that you, your biggest challenge, so infrastructure, but was that, was that inheriting a process that was broken and, and, and then you had to go in there and kind of fix the existing process and then, or was it just really a lack of being able to track and monitor all those kittens that are running around in that corral? Yeah, we had 90 plus employees at that time and, uh, you know, staffing was a huge, huge problem. Um, and yeah, just trying to get everybody on the same page, even though Meineke does have a lot of processes in place. Um, just trying to get everybody to follow those processes was, was really tough. 
you know, if, if we would have went, you know, one or two at a time, it's a lot easier to take those incremental steps than just go, you know, full bore and try to train 90 people at the same time. <laughs> yeah, and scale and test it, right? Because, you, you know, it's like you said, four locations, my process is working great. But if I doubled that, then all of a sudden I'm starting to have some things that I didn't foresee. And so yeah. then I can get those processes, you know, fixed and, and, and effective and then scale it to the 20 and, and ramp it up kind of that way. Yeah. Uh, Johnny, did you have the same experience, buddy? Did you jump in with 17 oh. and whittle down to four? I don't know what I would do with 17. I probably <laughs> right? wouldn't be around right now. Right. Uh, it's kind of funny though in the similarities and and how i i started my multi-location is is i had six a couple of years ago and it was just too many and i and i shut two down um i had five for a long time and i acquired those in a in a period of a year and a half um it was just a good opportunity somebody wanted out of the business and i was able to buy things penny on the dollar yep. so that was my ambition and my brain and my thoughts didn't catch up with that because I share the same problems as he had. It was, it was infrastructure. Um, and without good infrastructure, you, you know, you can't manage your employees correctly and you can't get everybody to do what you wanted to do. So it seemed like for me for the longest time is I was making money at one or two shops, but the other ones were failing just because I didn't have infrastructure. I didn't have time to go to all the stores. And to be frank with you, after a few years of it, I, I kind of stopped caring. Um, just because it was it was just so much of a task to to take on, you know that much, you know that much at one time. Um, but I don't know. I took an opportunity that I couldn't pass up. So. Yep. Now we got to make hay. And so, um, you know, if you had it to do all over again, other than saying heck no and running the other way, what would be the one takeaway that you'd say that you would have done first before you um, got started? Mm. I can't say that I wouldn't do it all over again because I'm always somebody that take takes a lot of risks. I think that the more risk that you take, um, the the more you you know you get from it. The bigger the risk, the the more you make from it. So um, I don't know. It just took me a long time to figure out you know how to run multi locations and figure out which ones weren't making money and which ones were a waste of time. And um, I guess the biggest thing is it, it just think about it more and and try to plan more to have that infra infrastructure set up. I think now that if I was to, and I'm not always opposed to, you know, I don't have, I have, if I had the opportunity to buy another store, um, I probably would now because I have the infrastructure and I know how to set it up. And, you know, I pretty much got things running pretty good now. So um, I would just say, do your homework and make sure everything, you know, there's a lot of people I talk to out there that, oh, I'm going to start my second shop. Um, there was a guy here in town that that started a second shop and he thought it was the biggest mistake he ever made. Um, so you really got to plan it, plan it and you really got to think about it. Being being bigger isn't always better because being bigger, you got bigger overhead. Um, so bigger isn't always better. No money, no problems. And, so, and I'd like to use this time if anybody out there would like to buy a shop. On, uh, go ahead and queue up the for sale sign, RJ. Yeah, <laughs> it's in so, the background here. Yeah, man. Now, you know, and that's and, and that's that's really prescient. You know, John, I really appreciate you sharing that. And you know, and that's that's it. You got to take the small bites out of that apple, and you got to make sure that you're not biting into the worm, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you know, Greg, and I bet you another thing that's really important is having a, a guy you can trust, like uh, O'Brien sitting there next to you. Um, how critical is it to be able to manage those multi-locations and then trying to, you know, do it all by yourself or having 
maybe people you can't really rely on or don't trust initially and, and can you talk to us a little bit about how you develop that uh, relationship? I think it's really important to have, you know, especially like your number one store to have really solid people in place. Brian's been with me for six years, almost eight, almost eight years. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we were pretty fortunate. Uh, we got on the beta testing with, um, uh, Meineke and Auto Vitals when it first rolled out and Brian and I were able to go back to uh, Raleigh and do the training out there and um, I think that really gave us you know a head start and, and Brian does most of the implementation in the store and he helps out a little bit the other stores so I mean you got to have key people and you know well, not successful if you don't have key people in places. Yeah, hey, and Brian, tell us a little bit about that because, you know, Auto Vitals is pretty, you know, might even sound crazy when you, when you first hear about it is how strict we are kind of about determining who an implementer is and what the role of the implementer is, um, you know, when you're, when you're learning Auto Vitals. Um, and then was there, was there kind of a lot of process change that you had to go through and what did you resist? Because, you know, I got to tell you, one thing well, that you're- tell you right now, I resisted just about everything. Uh, <laughs> Just the way it worked and, and the way the inspections were initially, where we had to use a specific inspection sheet. Um, I eventually um, built my own inspection sheet from scratch. I used the, um, the mining key paper inspections and I basically tailored it to that. Um, you know, for a new manager coming in, uh, it would be better for them to train with somebody specifically that already kind of knows what's going on. Otherwise, it's pretty overwhelming, uh, especially if they don't know how to make sales packages or if they don't know how to make, um, you know, make the make the product work for you as opposed to working the product. Um, you know, you've you've got to have all of your sales packages correct. You've got to have, uh, you got to make sure that you know the, the, the there's actions, corrective actions within your inspection sheet that actually create jobs on your work order. Otherwise, you can't do the 300 percent rule like 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 uh, wants you to do. Exactly. Yeah, so that's fantastic. You know, and it's funny because, well, it's not funny. It's, it's actually, it's a testament to the work that you've done. Um, honey, I was talking to Honey earlier, you know, uh, Honey's the account manager for, for Greg and, and Brian and, and said, you know, pretty much, we'll see if she's going to come in here pretty quick and say hi, but um, pretty much says, you know, you're probably the, um, the, the, the easiest shop that she has to manage because when she looks in, you guys are just consistently hitting your numbers and she never really hears anything from you when you do check-ins. It's like, yeah, hey, the power's still on. Have a great day. <laughs> right. You know, and, and so, so was that, I'm sure it was a lot of trial and error, especially because you were in on the beta. Did you guys, you guys kind of rolled it out into one shop and then did you, or did you jump into all shops after the beta was over or did you roll them out and how long did that take? I rolled them out about once a month per shop, but I have had and still have all of them. Any new manager coming in trains for at least a week with Brian. Um, and he did, well, he and I did the majority of the training with the new managers. So yeah, I, I think doing all four shops at, at once wouldn't have really worked. It would have just been more chaos. Sure. So we did them about one, about once a month or one a month. Wow. And then uh, pushback, I mean, what was the biggest challenge that you had uh, with that rollout? Um, you know, when we first rolled it out, you know, our sales packages and the, 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 any of our packages, we were still kind of refining and working on them and stuff. So that was a little cumbersome. 
And then of course, getting techs on, you know, on board with it was um, a little challenging also, but you know, really once they, you know, you sell a big job off of it that they wouldn't have got off a of paper inspection, they, you know, they come around pretty quick. Yeah. It, it doesn't take long, right? Just takes a couple quick wins and, and then here they are. Um, so John, tell us a little bit, you know, about, um, you know, kind of the same, same thing, right? I know that we kind of did a pretty aggressive rollout into your, into your shops. What would you do over again? Um, or I should say, what would you do different <laughs> with rolling? I don't, I don't really know. It, it really, uh, it, it, to me, I was fully into it and I knew the importance of digital inspection. So um, for me personally, it was a no brainer that it just had to be done. It was just like implementing anything else in the shop. It just, it just had to be done. Um, I had a lot of kickback. I, you know, I went through some managers since then that, that, you know, they find out that they're not so computer savvy um, on the front desk. So they're not able to give the service and use the computer and do all that at the same time. Um, really hard for me to get them to stay out of the back of the shop, um, get them to use the tech speaks here. So they, do, you know, I don't, I, I tell my managers, I don't want your butt to move off that stool. I have every tool for you to sit on the stool and not have to go out in the back of the shop. Um, so that, that to me, it was just, uh, to me, it was just a no brainer. It just had to happen. Um, and, and just like you said earlier, you got to have those key people to help you do it. Um, I think any multi shop location, if you don't have a key right hand man, then you're pretty much flying blind because you can't be at all locations. That's just, you, and you can't, you can watch them all, but you're just not that effective when you have that many shops. So um, having that key guy is, is a major, major part of a multi shop business. Yeah, you know, that's for sure. And, and, and being able to look, I think being able to look at, uh, at the operation or monitor the operation in a different fashion, right? I, I can't tell you how many folks I've talked to, you know, out at trade shows over the years, right? And they've got all their security cameras loaded up on their phone and they're watching their shops. But you know what ends up happening is all the guys know where the camera doesn't doesn't see. And and then and it's just, you get that that idea of, oh, if I'm, if I'm going to be watched, well, then I'm going to do something or I'm going to be cutting yeah. Swiping a ranch here or whatever, you know, and um, and and so when you're, you just come on and sit on over here. We got we, we and then we introduce Honey. Uh, this is Honey Tawaza, and she's uh, works with the Meineke locations, and so she works with Greg and uh, and Brian there. Hi. <laughs> Long time no talk. <laughs> yeah, it's been about a day probably. So, um, but I just want to bring in Honey and just say hi and get her a chance to come on and and uh, and take some of the credit for some of the great work you've been doing with some of these guys, right? Um, but back to what I was saying is, um, what was I saying? Do you remember what I was saying when you came in? Well, I walked here for 30 seconds. You asked John what we would do. <laughs> Somebody's paying attention. Yeah, right. Um, but. Um, but but to be able to put all that stuff together in into in, in monitoring it not on you know through security cameras but being able to watch that stuff through the business control panel I think gives you a better insight and it gives you better teamwork because I don't feel like you're just monitoring me I feel like and it was great what um, uh, Russ had said and some of those guys in previous episodes where they talk about sharing the big picture with the crew Jeremy Whitlock last week right and and uh, um, then they're on board and then when you're talking about the data and what needs to be done is if it's picture edit rate or scent rate or some behavioral change um, you get better buy-in 
And then once they've done it enough to build the muscle memory, it's like what Greg was saying, it's hard to keep them, or uh, excuse me, John was saying, it's hard to keep their butt in the seat because habit and just the way it is, we want to, when we're busy, we instinct, we run to the back. And it's hard to break that habit to say, oh, I don't have to do that. I can, I can do it this way. Uh, and then just align that through expectations that we monitor in the business control panel. Greg, I, I know, and I, and I got Honey in here, and, and I know you guys probably do a lot of work through the business control panel. How has that helped you from an adoption perspective and, and also just a motivation or a morale perspective inside the shop? Well, I think that's one of the benefits of having multi-shops because you have direct comparisons, you know, so I can compare, uh, you know, my poorest or the lowest shop to the best shop and really have, you know, goals for them. You know, if this, if this shop can do it, you should be able to get at least close to that. So um, I think it's real helpful. And uh, we have a monthly manager's meeting, so we go over uh, that kind of stuff. And matter of fact, we have one coming up tomorrow, so we'll be going over the business control panel. And, uh, you know, it just kind of gets everybody on the same page and lets them know that, you know, hey, these numbers are realistic. It's not some shop that's, you know, in another state. It's, you know, right down the road and, you know, we could do, we could all do it. So, so do you set your shops up to compete against each other to help drive production? Um, we do a little bit, but it's more just, <clears throat> you know, coaching them on, because if I have one shop that's doing really well, obviously I can take those, um, what they're doing well and, you know, implement that into another shop. Um, and, and I think that's helpful. And the business control panel, you know, we have some other back end or back office stuff that we use, the exformity and stuff, but it's just not as in depth as the business control panel. So, yeah, we tell you all the secrets. That's what I'm saying. You can't hide from our camera. Um, <laughs> and usually we go to Brian to ask him what he's been doing that, that is working for him because usually, or most of the times, it's his shop that is leading. So. <laughs> exactly, right? So yeah, that's that's all. We we're talking about that a little earlier, right? As yeah. Brian was through the beta and then did all of that work to to find the inspection sheets that were working and put in a lot of effort. Now it's really paying off. From your perspective, honey, how does business control panel help you to help and manage uh, with with Greg and Brian? Well, it's easy to see where, like like what Greg is saying is, um, it's actually easier to see that one shop is doing this, and so I ask him hey, what is this shop doing differently? Do you think the other shops can achieve the, this? Is there something else that the other shops are doing that are different? For example, fleet, or are you inspecting Ubers and Lyfts? Is it different from here? And if there's nothing really different, then we just adopt what's been going on in the other shop, You know, put those goals into the business control panel, mark them up, because writing them down is usually, you know, it, it kickstarts that action towards that goal. Yeah. Um, because usually if you just say it, okay, yeah, that's a goal. But when it's written, it's kind of set on stone. And so it's- There's a witness. Yeah, it's much easier <laughs> to follow through. And so that's what's been helping is re really writing those down, those goals down and having um, bite-sized goals as well, you yeah, know, so yeah. weekly and the monthly goals and then what the long-term goal is. Yeah, fantastic. So so are you guys, uh, are you guys considering going back up to 17? If I had 16 more Brian's, we'd be going to 17. <laughs> <laughs> Time to ask for a raise, Brian, just saying. I don't know. Talking about witnesses. Right, right. <laughs> so, John, tell us a little bit about how you're using the business, business control panel. You were talking about your key guys. Are they in there? Um, uh, and are they using that to uh, monitor what's happening across your locations? And, and then do you like to maybe incentivize uh, your locations to compete uh, against each other? 
Um, I'm kind of, I don't really kind of, uh, I've in the past, you know, kind of had the competition between the stores and, and I've got stores that do twice as much as, you know, my lowest store. So sometimes that's not always good because they look at it, you know, they're the, you know, there's always somebody in last place. So those are the ones when we come to our monthly managers meeting, there's always that one guy with his head down because he's got the, you know, slow shop. And so I don't think that it helps with morale too much when you start pitting the stores together. Um, personally, you know, I do personally, you know, for myself, um, but the business control panel is, is that that's, that's like holding the steering wheel on a car driving down the road. Um, I, I can look at that control panel and I can see exactly what's going on. I can see if the service rider is editing the pictures. I can see if they're driving that ARO up, you know, you can see all those key factors in the store, you know, when you get a shop that's not doing so well, cause he has a little way ARO. Um, the manager's like, Hey, I need more cars. I need more cars. I look into the control panel and your car counts actually up 5% over the last three months. So it's nothing to do with a car count. It's, it's more to do with, you know, what you sell on, on the front counter. Um, you know, so that business control panel is everything. And I think that's one of the great things about the technology that we use nowadays is, is I, I could basically, if somebody had a failing shop and they had data on it, I could look at that data and go, Hey, this is what's going on. You know, it, it, that data is really that helpful um, to run our shops on, on a day-to-day basis. Um, I think it's, it's not just necessary. It's, it has to be there. And I think, you know, all of the, the, you know, shops that are making it out there that are doing really great are, are using this to their advantage to, um, to help. I mean, data period in the whole world has helped everybody out it you know that's one of the big things you guys use to do your job so um it's nice that you guys are making things for us to use that are so easy and and at a you know fingers touch for us to just log in and look at everything and when it went to where you guys put it all on one page for me for all four stores that was yeah because you know you get to like two of them and you're like i don't like those numbers i'm not going to look at anything anymore but when you're on one page and it's all there you can just switch through the shops that makes it real easy yeah, and so for you know you folks that, that that you know might not know what we're talking about is business control panel is just a way to take your data across your technicians and how your service advisors are operating. You know, are they editing pictures, sending pictures, like what John was saying, and put it into a a graph that you can see, and then you can look at two different or three different or four different metrics, and you can actually see how things influence what's happening. AROs going down. Well, gosh, look, we're not sending out the inspection sheets like we were, or we're not editing the pictures uh, to our, to our goal like we were. And then you can just get out and make some changes and, and then track that across time to make sure that you are making the right decisions and the right policy uh, changes and holding those guys accountable out there. And it becomes almost just like a recipe. You know, you want to make a loaf of bread, well, you mix this stuff up, put it in the oven. And, and, and so to, to your point, John, is it's, a, it's the same way on our side, right? Is a lot of times we hear, gosh, this shop's struggling. And we look in there and we just go, well, gosh, I mean, we just do this. And, you know, if you just edit some more pictures and then send them to the customer and ask them for their email at, or their, you know, opt-in at text at drop-off, this guy wouldn't be having these problems. Yeah, but, well, I think one of the... One of the biggest things that we've started realizing too is you can also this can the the digital inspection can also hurt you if you're not doing them correctly. Yeah, you know you could put out information to a customer 
that the technician didn't put on there right and the service writer didn't edit it right and didn't look at the live view that the customer sees. And then all of a sudden the customer calls it, you know, you tell them, Hey, your car's okay. Well, what about that leak I had? Well, I don't know. My technician didn't have it on there. So you're basically sending in, you know, information to a customer that's not correct. So it can make you look bad just as much as it can make you look good. Um, So that's one of our biggest obstacles we have in the multi-shop is getting those, we, we, we tell our guys we want to have a storyline for somebody's car when it comes in. So it's like picking up a good book. When you, when you have a good book, you can read that thing start to finish and, you know, the whole night's over and you don't even know it. You know, so that's what we try to create with inspections. We want a storyline for a customer, um, you know, to where even if, if it's a bad storyline, they still like it at the end. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, they just don't like what they have to pay to fix their car. Um, but that's a major part of what we try to do. And it's an ongoing battle. It never, it never stops. Um, the like it inspection, you just have to keep doing it. It's an everyday thing. It's a, you have to manage it. You have to watch it. It's not set on automatic. Um, it takes a hundred percent of your, your time and your effort to make sure that those are all those systems are working correctly. <clears throat> and the technicians really have to do just that. Uh, they absolutely have, the inspection has to be good. If it's not a good inspection, uh, number one, we're not going to get the information the technician is trying to give us. And then when we send it to a customer, that customer is going to get information. If we don't know what an action is you know, or didn't see an action based on, you know, an incomplete inspection, then that information becomes jumbled and, and kind of in a wash. So you got to make yeah. sure the technicians stay on top of that inspection for sure. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And you got to, you know, it's one of those things too, is you have to kind of set that expectation at the front counter that if it ain't right, kick it back, right? Make them do it again because you need, you, you only get one shot at it. And like you said, if you're only going to send out something half, you know, halfway, then, then you get half as results, you know? And so, yeah. um, so you, you know, you got, and, but once you establish that policy and, and like you said, through that business control panel, you monitor your guys and you know that, gosh, everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. We got the tools. Um, then we just have to keep can you, uh, do that consistently and set good expectations with the customer. Because, hey, Brian, have you noticed this? Do the customers kind of fall into the groove, right? You know, once they've had that experience one or two times, then they just know what to expect. And then they're almost like, hey, wait yeah. a second. You know, you didn't show me the cool video or you didn't do the thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I, some, of the, some of the craziest sales I've had, I had a customer here, I don't know, probably six, eight months ago. And they're the owner of the vehicle actually lived in Alaska. And I had sent the inspection to the person that had driven the vehicle in that person actually forwarded that text to their, you know, mother or father, whatever it was in Alaska. And I get a phone call from Alaska authorizing like a $4,500 repair job <laughs> and based off of an oil change. I mean, and th- that customer wasn't even in my shop. He was in, Alaska miles away fighting polar bears. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think people really are adopting this digital age that we're in and, and I have the same kind of experiences. I had a customer that came in and spent $1,800 on a, on a mini Cooper. Um, and I never even saw the person. I didn't even talk to him on the phone. I text them that they, you know, they made an appointment online, dropped off their car, I text him and he's like, I can't get a call. You got to text me, text him. Um, he says, okay, send me the inspection. He looked at the inspection, text me back and said, do it. And then he's <laughs> like, Hey, I need to pay you over the phone and I'm going to pick my car up after hours. The guy's super happy, left us a five-star review. And I don't even know what the guy looks like. <laughs> it's crazy the, the amount of help that, 
you know, the amount of sales you can drive without having to, to do much effort. Um, that That's awesome. And I think that's what people want nowadays is it's all on. Everything's done on an app. You, you know, it's just crazy. And, and, and I think for shops that aren't doing that, I think they're missing the boat because I definitely feel customers not just need that, but they want it in their, you know, the more and more that other businesses are doing it, the more and more they want every business to do it. As you know? a millennial, I can attest to that. <laughs> yeah. That is definitely something that I would like to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just bought a car over the internet and all I had to do is go in five minutes and walk back out with, with a car, you know? So I love, I love having that technology at your hands. It's, it's awesome to have that. The car vending machines now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Pretty, well, pretty soon big old, you know, drones will come deliver cars, you know, like those big uh, helicopter cranes or whatever, drone. <laughs> well, good. So, you know, I got to tell you, John, I think I'm going to cut that and can it, put it in as a TV commercial or something. I'll pay like a buck a month royalty or something like that. What do you say? <laughs> I think we need to negotiate that buck a month. But we'll <laughs> All right. Well, I'll let Uber give you a call and you guys work that out. <laughs> All right, man. Hey, I really appreciate you guys coming on the show. I think it was awesome. Um, you know, hopefully people out there thinking about becoming multi-shop owners, take something away, do it right the first time. These guys are available on Facebook. Give them a holler. Uh, ask them some questions. They'd be loving to help you. And uh, if you're already in it, hopefully you learned something. Get on that business control panel, set up your multi-location dashboard, and uh, really get that solid uh, partner in your business to um, – apply that uh paul you know process consistently across your locations and sun comes out and rainbows are shining utilize your sun shines and rainbows come out utilize our account manager sue we're here to help you yes and yes you guys are awesome you guys are a big part of what what makes auto vitals work absolutely hey and, and speaking of that thanks uh honey that was fantastic by the way and yes you guys do a great job <laughs> thank you but we have a new um we just launched actually to even you know to, to give a greater service and uh which we call our digital shop partner team the existing customers probably been getting some contacts about it um we've been fortunate enough and we've introduced some across on you know on the radio show in previous episodes but we've been very fortunate to attract some of great talent out of the automotive industry um, operational talent, right? Folks that have been running multi-locations and highly successful businesses using auto vitals. Um, and now we form a team of them to go out and uh, ramp our customers up from day one the right way and help uh, shops to achieve their goals. Uh, Nine-month program. And so you'll be getting a contact if you are an existing customer with an opportunity to join that team. Um, and then if you are thinking about becoming a customer, don't think any longer because, um, like I said, you've got some of the best people in the industry. And we just met two of them, three of them here today uh, on our Facebook forum, collaborating through, um, you know, webinars and this show and things like that to help you become successful. So um, pick up the phone and dial now. It's going to be like a telethon. <laughs> Are we waiting for the phone to ring? Are you any? <laughs> All right, thanks. Thanks a lot, guys, man. I appreciate you. Right. We'll get out you. Have there a great day. Yep. And tune in next Wednesday, same time, same place, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern for Digital Shop Talk Radio. We'll be having some more great guys like these on uh, talking about success. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.